episode 55 of Bustin' Loose Baseball, you will hear from Robert Hassel, the double-A outfielder, 21-year-old left-handed bat who came over in the Juan Soto deal. Toby and I went out to Bowie to catch up with the Bay Sox and the Senators to get a good look at some of the top Nationals double-A prospects, including recently promoted James Wood, who homered when we went there. We will regale you with tales. All coming up on Boston Loose Baseball, plus a deep dive into the Nationals' power surge in L.A., some of the young studs flexing their muscles. Let's get to it on F55 starting right now. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Bustin' Loose Baseball, welcome in. Episode 55, I'm Grant Paulson with Toby Altizer. Toby! What a fun night we had on Thursday evening in Bowie, Maryland, home of the Bay Sox, where the Harrisburg Senators were in town, and we got a good look at Jackson Rutledge on the mound, Robert Hassel batting leadoff and playing in the outfield, and James Wood patrolling center and hitting third. A couple of the marquee players in the Nats system. Yeah, I tell you what, Grant, I mentioned to, mentioned it to you while we were over there. I haven't been to a whole lot of minor league games. It's kind of fun taking a break from the major leagues and where you got 40,000 seats and it's just a big, perfect production almost in a lot of ways where you got just perfect in-game entertainment. You've got different sight lines. At a minor league ballpark, there's just something fun about taking baseball to its roots. You know, small ballpark. You can hear the players chirping at each other. You can hear the guys yelling from the dugout, hey, good take. You know, all the different things that make baseball what it is and the reason why we love the game. And it was fun. You get to see guys like James Wood, Robert Hassel. On the other side, you see Heston Kerstad. So I thought it was a really fun night, a good experience over there in Bowie. Yeah, I love Bowie. It's pretty dark, and the lights come on, and it's a nice... Uh, hitter's ballpark in the sense of visuals, right? I remember years ago talking to Matt Wieters when he was with the Nationals about how much he loved Bowie as an affiliate and the offense and the ability to hit there with just the the dark optics. They have new lights there, but like a well-lit ballpark with the the, the black uh, scoreboard and batter's eye back behind center. You really got to kill the ball to center field. A lot of long fly balls die on that warning track. But if you hit the ball down either uh, foul line, you're, you're going to hit it over the fence for sure. Um, so it's a place I grew up getting to minor league games to. It's really cheap. I mean, look, you, you bought a ticket, I think, for what did you say, 19, 20 bucks? Yeah, 20 bucks on front row, behind the plate, literally right behind the plate. Grant came over and sat by me. Couldn't ask for better seats for 20 bucks. So, I mean, if you want to go check out some minor league games, I know it's the O's affiliate over there, but hey, go check it out. Yeah, and then the Nats are going to be there, the, the two a uh, Senators with James Wood and Robert Hassel. Through Sunday, they're giving out a, a Gunnar Henderson bobblehead on uh, Sunday afternoon. There's a fireworks show on Saturday night, I believe. Uh, they got their their Star Wars night, so they got a lot going on. Worthwhile getting over there if you want to go see some of the Nats prospects. Yeah, and if you can't make it this week, I believe they're back in July, so go check them out then. The Senators are coming back. Yep. And by then, I would imagine James Wood will still be there. Hassel may not. Maybe he'll get promoted to uh, AAA. We'll get into a little breakdown on, on some of those guys in a moment. Uh, but uh, I I had I stuck away in the late innings. I got myself some ice cream. Only disappointment I had it was a delicious soft serve. Like really, really like you could tell. Good ice cream machine, strong ice cream. The only problem I had was it was not served in a helmet. I need Ooh. my ballpark soft serve ice cream in a plastic helmet. Mm-hmm. It was served in, 
I would describe it as like if you tipped over like the top of a like the plastic top of like a um like a, a sundae or something. You know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they served the ice cream in that and it was fine, but I like I want my plastic helmet, man. Yeah, you need the, you need a little helmet. It adds to it. The question I have, you sprinkles or no sprinkles guy? No sprinkles. Basic as you could be. If I can no. go straight straight chocolate, I'll do that. Give me the vanilla with the rainbow sprinkles all day. Uh, see, I'm a give me a little swirl, mix it up. I kind of like stir it around with the spoon, get it into chocolate anyway. Uh, take away some of the richness of the chocolate. Although I will say you won the jackpot as far as the dessert items went because you came back to uh, our seats at one point and you had what appeared to be some type of funnel cake shaped French fry. Yeah, I tell you what, Grant, we're recording this on Thursday night after we go to the game. I just touched my glasses and I can still smell the funnel cake on my fingers. <laughs> it's a good smell. I, I kind of want some more, but <laughs> they were funnel cake fries. I actually had to call my grandma on the way over here because she loves funnel cakes. And I said, they had funnel cake fries and then you can put soft serve on top. Fantastic. Did you Grant. dabble with the soft serve on top? Uh, yeah, it was good. I didn't know it was notice very that you good. A, light, a la mode for my guy Tobe. Fantastic. I'm not a I'm not a sweets guy generally, but those were fantastic. Yeah, but we uh we did well. We ate good. We watched some baseball. All right, so you guys did not tune in to Bust and Loose Baseball to hear our breakdown of the desserts that we had at the ballpark. Uh but just a couple of dudes here talking about uh the things that matter to us. So let's get then to some breakdowns of the players we saw. We got to start with the, the main event, James Wood. Frankly, the reason you bought the ticket and went to yep. the game, the reason we broadcasted live all day from the ballpark and, and that I stayed with you for those nine innings and we watched was we wanted to see as many James Wood at-bats as possible. So his first three ABs, he had three strikeouts. His last two at-bats, he hit a prodigious 393-foot home run that was 107 miles per hour off the bat to make it one for four. And then he had a subsequent infield base hit. Like, you can't have more extremes. We saw the incredible power to right field on the homer, and then he beat out what was like a, a high Baltimore chop, like two-hopper behind the bag to the shortstop, and he just flew down the line. Nice little dual show-off of crazy traits. Yeah, and the thing was, the homer was obviously impressive, and we'll get to that in a, more in a second. The chopper was so high, and he gets down the line, and it's a relatively, I wouldn't say routine play, but you at least throw over as the shortstop. Shortstop gets over there, looks up, sees where James Wood is, and says, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to this. No chance of getting him. Like you said, shows off the speed that he has. And, you know, what impressed me, you brought it up, for his first three at-bats, he has a lot of discipline. Now, maybe he needs to be a little bit more aggressive at the plate because he did strike out the first three times. But he obviously was looking for something. He was looking for his pitch. Think of Juan Soto. I'm not going to say he's got that kind of eye. But think of the way that Juan Soto in at-bats would let pitches go that a lot of guys would swing at just because that wasn't the pitch that he wanted. And then he would wait for the pitch that he actually wanted, and then he would do damage with it. That's kind of the approach it seemed like James Wood had tonight, Grant, where... There were fastballs or breaking balls that kind of got left down the middle that I would like to see him swing at going forward, but for whatever reason, he didn't. But obviously, in that one at-bat, his fourth at-bat of the day, he got a hanger right down the middle, and he did not miss it one bit. Yeah, so we'll talk about the home run in a second. Kind of going through the ABs, because I've actually got the uh, like the, the mill screenshots of, of some of the ABs up in front of me here. Um, his first AB, to your point, and the theme was like taking – 
cookies early in counts. And you almost want to go up there ready to ambush. There is something admirable, though. I, I talked to someone high-ranking that that is uh, one of the folks that, that helps run the development staff for the Nationals a few weeks ago about James Wood. And it, well, even at that time, he was not killing it in A-plus ball. But they said, we love his at-bats. Like, they had just seen him, and they said he had four great at-bats. I think he was like one for four, a couple strikeouts, and they're like, Deep counts, takes close pitches, really good idea at the plate. Like, all the stuff we saw tonight, uh, frankly. But the first pitch of, of his first A-B was middle-middle, and he takes that for a called strike. Then he swings and fouls off two pitches in the zone, one in on his hands, the other was kind of out over the plate. Uh, so it was a, a 0-2 count. He takes back-to-back balls just off the plate high to get to 2-2 to get even, and then he swung through a pitch right at the top of the strike zone that would have been a called third strike to strike out in that first at-bat. But again, you're talking about quality of A-B, right? Like, that's a hell of an at-bat. The next at-bat, first pitch was a called ball on the inside corner, could have easily been a strike. He got ahead 1-0. He then took uh, back-to-back pitches that were pretty much center cut. I mean, like, I don't know how to say it otherwise. It's the second and third pitches, particularly the second pitch, inner half, would be where you would place the ball for him to hit a ball a mile. I mean, he's got a seven-foot wingspan, so even pitches that are technically on the outer third a great point. are like middle-middle to him. So then he's behind one, too. Like you, and now, if you're keeping score, like you've taken three damage pitches in two ABs. Uh, but what do you do, right? Fourth pitch is bottom of the strike zone. I think it's in the strike zone, but it's called a ball. He obviously had a feel that for what the umpire was calling. And he, he takes a pitch at the knees that, that he gets a ball call on. And then the, the fifth pitch, he takes another pitch. And, and you could have said all five were in the strike zone. Two of them were called balls. The, the fifth pitch was up. He took it, strike three. So at that point, you're over two with, with two strikeouts. But it's been a, you've seen 11 pitches. And like the, there is a added value to that. And then the third strikeout, uh, he took the first pitch up out of the zone pretty clearly up around the eyes for a ball. Uh, the second pitch, again, kind of middle, a little bit away, but in, in terms of height of the strike zone, like middle-middle. Uh, third pitch, uh, he took a, a called strike at the thighs that, that couldn't have been more centered up. So in this game, we saw him take five pitches in the middle of the plate. And, and I guess it's a long-winded way just going through and giving you all the details of saying there wasn't a lot of swing and miss in the middle. It was just a lot of takes. Mm. The swings and misses were up at the top of the zone or you know he didn't really expand. I think I come away encouraged more than annoyed by that. Like, that's a great thing that he has an idea and a feel. And normally, you're one of the youngest guys at the level. You're like four or five years younger than a lot of the guys on the field. You're just up there hacking, and, and the moment's too big. It was the opposite of that. If anything, you're trying to tell him, hey, man, a little more aggressive. Like, let's ambush some stuff that's in the middle. Well, and to your point here, think about the frame that we've talked about with James Wood a number of times. He's six foot six, 240. But think of the size of the strike zone for a guy that big. It's way bigger than your average hitter. And so if he were to be a guy that expanded the strike zone, think of a guy like a Javi Baez. If he came up that free swinging, he could literally swing at every pitch. Because of his arms, because of his height, he could literally get to every single pitch. Good point. So if he were to do that, it would be a harmful approach because there's so many pitches that he can't do damage with. I like the fact that he's being selective because if he can at least right now understand what the strike zone is, to your point, 
I can tell him, dude, swing the bat. Let's let's see you be a little bit more aggressive with pitches in the zone. If he didn't understand the strike zone, I'd be worried because of his size. It's very encouraging that a guy that big understands that strike zone so well at that age. Yeah, six pitches, five pitches, four pitches, and six pitches in those first four at-bats before he got an early base hit in his final A-B. So that brings us through the three strikeouts. He's 0 for 3 to the home run. And in the seventh inning when he stepped to the plate, left-handed hitter, pulled the ball down the right field line. It looked like it went a mile. I tweeted out your video um, on, on my account. Tell people your Twitter account. Toby underscore Altizer, T-O-B underscore A-L-T-I-Z-E-R. So you tweeted the video because you were rolling right behind home plate. I retweeted it at Grant H. Paulson if you want to find Toby's account and go follow him on, on the video there. But the only way I can describe it is like one guy was a jackass on Twitter, shocker, and he's like, it only went 393 because I tweeted like he just hit a ball a mile. <laughs> First of all, 393 guy is a bomb. Okay, let's start there. The, the wall is three. 15 or whatever. Yeah. It went over the, the the big scoreboard's worth of ads behind the fence, number one. Number two, it actually looked way further than that, if I could say that, um, for a couple reasons, I think. Number one, it was by far the most crushed baseball of the night uh, in a minor league setting. But the other thing is, it was so high. Yeah, very it high. It was so loud. Everyone in the ballpark, like whatever you were doing, it gets your attention, that kind of vibe of the sound of the bat but then it was it was a like a I, I didn't see the uh launch angle but it felt like it was like a high fly ball to the left right fielder you know what i mean yeah and it just carried i mean it was a bomb yeah i mean to your average hitter to your point with that launch angle it's just a routine fly to the right fielder if you want a comparison to how far it would have been tell me if i'm wrong here grant if this were at nationals park I don't know that it would have gotten to the second deck because I don't know if it was far enough. It definitely had the height. But think of it going back, of the bullpen, back end of the Nationals' bullpen yeah. and no doubt about it off the bat. Like th- Those are the kind of majestic shots that you're used to seeing with the known home run hitters. Think of a, something like Giancarlo Stanton hits one. You're like, that's gone. Even if it doesn't hit the 400-foot mark, you're like, yeah, that's gone off the bat. That was the thing with James Wood. And then just going back and looking at the launch angle of it, it just doesn't make sense that that got over the fence, but then you remember who hit it. It'll make sense. Yeah, 107 exit velo. So that's a long way of saying he went two for five. Uh, in center field, hard to get a lot out of his first game in center in Harrisburg, I believe it was. Uh, he'd been playing in the corner. Hassel had been playing center field, and we asked uh, Robert Hassel about that. You'll hear the interview Danny and I did with him on, on G&D coming up here later in the podcast. Uh, but tonight, Hassel was in a corner, and Wood was playing center. So the, the one thing I noticed – in the field, and, and this showed up in the ninth inning on his hit as well, was he's just so fast that he strides. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I had, who was it that said this to me recently? Oh, you know what it was? It was a story I read. It was um, Jesse Dockery wrote a piece in the Post about how uh, scouts, like, used to think he wasn't playing hard, and he didn't run and sprint, and he wasn't trying because everything looked so effortless. But, like, in the outfield, there was a play where he looked like he was jogging to the ball, and I and he ran into the fence. Tonight, yeah. and, and he didn't catch the ball. He like ran into the fence as he was making contact with the, the glove and the ball, and it you know it fell out. But I, I bring that up to say, like I was thinking, like he's in medium depth left center because of the way he was moving, and it's it's hard to explain unless you see it. But there's just this unicorn six six strides thing that doesn't happen with normal players. Same thing on the in the infield hit. It was a Baltimore chop for sure. It was you know high off of uh, the, the front of the dirt or whatever, but. 
Like, there was no play. It wasn't like a bang-bang play. The shortstop fielded the ball and ate it because James Wood was already at first base, basically. Like, the dude, for a big guy, can absolutely fly. Yeah, absolutely. And the two plays that stand out to me, it weren't anything spectacular, but it just shows you a little bit of what he can do. In the eighth or ninth inning, I think it was the eighth inning, uh, one of the Bay Sox hitters hits one that looked like a gapper, sure, double. And James Wood got to it no problem, keeps him to a single. Those are the sort of things that don't show up in a box score. Those are the sort of things that if you're not really looking for something, you're just like, oh, he just made a normal play because he makes it look so routine. The other one was a play that he didn't make that I think he could have, which would have been the most impressive of the night if he could have made it. There was a deep fly ball to left. The left fielder struggled with it, didn't make the catch, probably should have made the catch, ended up hurting Jackson Rutledge's line a little bit. But the range that James Wood covered to get over to a ball in left field and even have the possibility of maybe calling off the left fielder to go get it were incredible to me. And just like you said, seeing him open up his strides in the outfield, it does not look like he's running very hard. But then if you were to compare him to any other player on the baseball field, he'd be just as fast, if not much faster. Yeah, one of the fastest guys, I'd say, probably in any game he's played in this season. Uh, On Hassel, he had two hits. And in fact, he should have had three hits. His final at bat of the night in the ninth inning was a smoked liner that the uh, Bowie second baseman, uh, Romero, made a leaping catch on way up the ladder, kind of full extension, and took a head head away from Hassel because three hits would have looked really good in the box score. But if you look at his numbers since he got to Harrisburg, he's drawing walks. He's getting on base. He's not raking by any means, but he's hitting over 260. He's got an OPS over 700. Uh, He's kind of finding his way now, and... He's getting on base at about a 370 clip. I think he's finally healthy. I I told you this while we were watching the game, and I feel this way. I I wish there was a little bit more power. Like, it's a lot of base hits. Um, I I know that that's the last thing to come back when you have an injury of the handmade bone and the hand and and some of the things he's dealt with. But I I do just wish that, uh, you know, he was flashing a little more home run power, which inevitably will probably come. But, uh, I'm going to give him credit for what should have been like a three-hit night while we were there in five at-bats. And he has taken a lot of pride, as he talks about in the interview here. He sees a lot of pitches, too. You know, he he he's not afraid to take pitches and work deep into counts and hit with two strikes. And he just, he's got vibes of a guy who's like confident and, and he's only 21. I mean, he's only a year older than, than James Wood, but you wouldn't know it. Yeah, he's 21 years old, but he plays like a 25, 26-year-old that's been in the bigs for three or four years. Very confident when he comes to the plate. You can just tell the way he goes about his business. It's very businesslike. And he's ready to go when he's at the plate. And I wouldn't say that anything about Robert Hassel is spectacular. And I don't know that when he gets to the major leagues that anything is going to flash to you. You know, it's not the power. It's not the speed necessarily. But he's just going to be a guy that gets to the bigs and plays for a decade plus, and you never have to worry about him. And to be honest with you, getting that in a Soto deal, getting a guy that once he gets to the majors, it's just going to stick in whatever spot you want to put him for 10-plus years. you got to be really happy with that, and you add that with the excitement of a guy like James Wood, and you can't be anything but thrilled with that. what you got back for it. I mean, we went over it, what was it, two episodes ago, last episode, about the haul you got back. Having a safe guy like Hassel, I think, really rounds out the whole deal. Yeah, he might have the the fifth highest ceiling of the five guys that we keep talking about. I mean, he might also have the highest floor. Which he, he just enough. 
just watching him, he just looks like a guy right now. I, I understand he needs to develop more, but he just seems like a guy that you could just plug in to a two-hole, a three-hole, maybe a five or a six-hole, and just never worry about him again for 10 years. That's the hope. I mean, that, that's what they want to see uh, is, is him continue to, to take those walks and get that 260 average up to you know 285, 290. Uh, he'll be the first one of, of this group of him and James Wood and these prospects to get to the big leagues very likely. Um, and I would think he, he's in line for a call to AAA maybe a, a little bit later on, a month or two from now into the season. Uh, real quick on Jackson Rutledge. Rutledge is a guy we haven't talked a lot about on the pod this year, but he's actually having a really – good year in double a i mean after a season that was ultra disappointing at times with his inconsistencies in fredericksburg last year he ended on a high note with an electric start in in the playoffs for fredericksburg he was 23 years old in low a ball though as a first round pick uh like three years after he'd been drafted so it was just hard to get overly excited about it having said that he's in double a now and he's pitching at the double a level to a 3.4 ERA with a 5-1 and record. Tonight, he had three hits and three runs that he gave up as we were at the game on Thursday night. Five innings and six strikeouts, and he was better than his line. Uh, he gave up two runs on a, a ball that you mentioned should have been caught in left field that uh, was not caught by uh, Harris the third. Uh, that ball fell in and shouldn't have. And then there was another play that we mentioned James Wood got to at the fence and the ball kind of popped out of his glove. Much more difficult play. But in the big leagues, it might have been two outs with like yeah. major league quality outfield play. And maybe he goes five scoreless or maybe he gets to throw a sixth inning. Um, some of that gets baked into some of these minor league numbers. But he was 95-96 in the first inning. Nine, I think he was up to 99 in the start. Threw some pitches, 97-98. Uh, showed breaking ball, change up. He's had a year that makes you think maybe he can be a major league starting pitcher after I think a lot of people had started to file him away as a reliever, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't I wouldn't say anything today was spectacular. The velocity being what it was in the second inning, I think was, I guess you could say spectacular, but nothing super special. But you had mentioned this at the ballpark. If this were a outing that he had with the big league ball club, maybe some guys hit the ball a little bit harder, maybe some guys on his defense make some plays. This is the kind of start that he could come up to the big leagues, be your fourth or fifth starter, and you wouldn't blink an eye. Right. And if you look at it, 50 innings this year after tonight, 41 hits, 46 strikeouts, and a 229 average against with a 1.1 whip. Like double A, not A ball, you know, not rookie ball. Like this is, you're, you're basically a phone call away from the majors now, and he's got a really good nine start sample here. So, yeah, he's six, eight. I'll say this for Jackson Rutledge. He is. He's got to be a brutal at bat. He's huge at 6'8". He's intimidating as hell. I mean, he hit a dude. I don't remember who it was. Cesar Prieto. Was it Prieto? He hit, I mean, what a pain that must have been. Like, (laughs) 97, in on the ribs. And and a couple times came up and in on guys, and you can see them kind of ducking away from pitches. Like, he's intimidating. Uh, He's also closed off. See, like... um, like Giancarlo Stanton at the plate a little bit where he's like his front foot is way closed past his his back foot and you can't really see where the ball mm-hmm. is or where the glove is. It just it can't be a comfortable at bat. Little crossfire action so cannot be very comfortable in that right-handed batter's box since it's probably coming a little bit from behind you with how long his arms are as well. Yeah, I mean, I think overall what he did tonight was very solid and I think that he can continue to to build off what he's been able to do at Double A this year and 
who knows how long it is till we see him in the bigs. All right, so that'll do it for our conversation on our minor league experience catching the Harrisburg Senators in Bowie, our little field trip. Maybe we're going to have to take a field trip down to the Fred Nats soon. Yeah, absolutely. Report on some of those guys. Long gone! Let's get to the game of the year for the Nationals to this point. They're getting ready for this series against the Phillies, depending on when you're listening. Maybe the series has already begun, but we're taping this ahead of the Friday opener. The game of the year for the Nats at Chavez Ravine in L.A. was played on Wednesday afternoon on getaway day as they hung a 10 spot on the Dodgers with 12 hits, and they did it with five home runs for the first time all season. They hadn't hit three in a game as a team. And Kbert Ruiz homered twice, three times in two games, almost homered five times in the series because he just missed two homers out to dead center. He and C.J. Abrams went back-to-back, which is so cool for this fan base to see those two guys connecting. Luis Garcia hit a three-run bomb down the line that effectively won the game. Uh, So you have those three young kids, the the three bats that I would argue matter the most long-term for the Nationals, all hit a combined three home or four home runs in the game. And they also got the two run homer from Jamer Candelario. But tell me there's been a more fun game than that against the Dodgers, no less. An exciting weekend for those guys. And those three young guys in particular want to point out one thing about each of those guys. K hit one from each side, which he'd struggled with power on the right side. He finally gets one out over the short wall in left field for the Dodgers. So exciting to see him have power on both sides of the plate now. C.J. Abrams hit a home run on a pitch that probably should have been hit the other way, but he pulled it and got it over the fence at Dodger Stadium. And I understand the ball was carrying a little bit more in that third game, but hitting a ball out of the ballpark at Dodger Stadium, Grant, is not an easy thing because of the heavy air that you get at L.A. at times. And so that was an impressive homer for a guy that's thought of as a soft-hitting shortstop at times. And then the other one, Luis Garcia, the opposite of what C.J. Abrams had done. A pitch off the plate or away for C.J. Abrams. A pitch off the plate in for Luis Garcia. Turns on it, keeps it fair, and rips it in a perfect spot to give them a three-run lead in a clutch situation. I mean, those are the sort of things that give you hope about this baseball team going forward. The young guys showing, even in the big situations, coming through, putting the ball over the fence. Those are the exciting things about this ball club right now. Yeah, Ruiz, by the way, seven home runs in 47 games this season. He had seven in 112 games last season. Uh, the, the the growth is obvious, right? I mean, he went from slugging 360 last year to 395 this year. OPS up from 670 to 705. Still a lot of room for improvement. I'm not telling you he's arrived or he's an all-star, but you've seen the growth. It's obvious. C.J. Abrams last year hit a total of two home runs in 90 games. He's got six in 52 games this year. Last year, he had an OPS of 600. Right now, he's at 692. We could talk about cutting down on the errors and and some of what he's got to do defensively, but you are seeing major strides made where he's gone from slugging 320 to 400. You know, and the 400 slug, frankly, is is right where you want him to be because if he starts getting on base, you know, with some walks at a 360, 370 clip, now you're talking on an OPS up around 800 for C.J. Abrams. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to like when your young guys are hitting the ball out of the yard. All right, quick thoughts on the Phillies coming to town. Uh, a reunion of sorts. 
If you used to play for the Nationals and were beloved at some point, you might be on the Phillies. Your boy, I think your favorite Nat ever, maybe, Trey Turner. Uh, Bryce Harper coming back. Kyle Schwarbrews. Sneaky, one of my favorite Nats ever. Uh, I know he wasn't a part of the World Series team, and he was here after the collapse after that. But he gave us an unbelievable couple months of baseball. And my one of my favorite months was just watching him hit first pitch homers and first inning homers for, for like every day for like three weeks in a row. Uh, but all those guys are coming back to Nats Park this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting series because Philadelphia is very much so underperformed. Yeah, what is going on with them? An interesting, an interesting thing right here. I was just looking at some of the stats for the guys right now. Grant, there are only four players, not just eligible players, four players with a lower WAR for the Phillies in terms of hitters than Trey Turner. His WAR right now is zero point zero. Derek Hall is a minus point one. Alec Bohm is minus .2, Josh Harrison minus .6, and the the guy you mentioned, Schwarber, minus 1. Trey Turner has had a tough season so far, and we were talking about it at the ballgame. I don't know if it's something where you mess with a baseball player's routine, and they're so routine-driven, and he played in the World Baseball Classic and obviously was one of the stars for the United States, (coughs) but just hasn't been able to get it going since. I don't know, but something has been very off with Trey Turner. Hopefully, you know, as a as a Trey Turner fan, he can figure it out, obviously, with the Phillies, not as worried. But I will say one thing, Grant, that's really cool is the fact that Bryce Harper has fought like he did to get back for that Phillies lineup. Whatever you make of Bryce Harper, he is an ultimate competitor. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, I don't share the thoughts of most Nats fans in hating Bryce. I, I actually, we documented on the podcast a lot last year during the Soto uh, combos, but he actually wanted to come back here, I think, a lot I more agree. than yep. they wanted to bring him back. Uh, but we don't need to get back into that. Uh, you want to go see Bryce and, and, and the Phils, they'll be at Nats Park. And this is my favorite kind of series. It's a home series where Josiah Gray is going to pitch and Mackenzie Gore is going to pitch. Josiah Gray goes in the Friday game one against Zach Wheeler. So that is a matchup of a couple of the best pitchers on their rotation so far this year. Uh, I don't know if I would I would say aces quite yet in Gray's case. And then Mackenzie Gore is on the hill on Saturday for the 405 first pitch. Uh, I don't think the Phillies have announced their starter to this point. But the back-to-back Gray and Gore at home tandem is always what I look for. Yeah, and let's see if Gray can continue to limit the walks and improve off of what he's done. And then with Gore, let's see if he can build off of that great outing against Kansas City. Let's allow the people to hear our interview now with Robert Hassel. Caught up with him with uh, Danny Ruye, Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan out in Bowie ahead of his two-hit performance. Of course, he was one of the centerpieces of the Juan Soto deal. Here was that conversation. It's going to be a big weekend here in Bowie. Tomorrow night, 90s night, fanny pack giveaways to the first 750 fans. Very 1990s here. Danny and I have already got our hands on some fanny packs. A guy who has very little file on the 90s. Zero file in the 90s. It was before him. He was born in 2001. God, that's annoying. 21 years old. He turns 22 later this baseball season. Robert Hassel was one of the players the Nats got back in the Juan Soto deal from the San Diego Padres, joins us now. So when you hear the 90s, does it feel the same to you as like hearing the 70s? Is it just all really old and not important to you? I mean, kind of, man. Yeah. (laughs) To be honest, honest, yes, just because... I don't, you know, obviously don't remember anything. So what about time, the idea of this thing? So you wear this, in, are you familiar with the fanny pack? 
Yeah. You you wear this in front of you so that you don't have to put things in your pockets. Is that a style you could get behind? Yes. Hey, it's, guy. I, yeah, people do it, obviously, but I think I still think it's a little like different and cool. I just like anything a little different <laughs> and cool. Cool design on it. So I think that it plays. What's have you noticed any particularly cool promotions or night like themes or giveaways this minor league season that have stood out to you? Uh, to be honest, I if I, I couldn't really pick one, but I do any night when it's like that. You, just as a player, I know I notice the crowds love it. There's always good crowds on those promotional nights. We usually get a cool little jersey to wear. So I, I mean, I like it. I think I think all of them are cool. All, any anything we can do to celebrate, you know, anything. How's your year going to this point? How do you feel about it? What do you What do you like and not like and going to it? I, I think it's been been good so far. I, I you know, I just like winning ball games, and and as long as we can do that, of course, I've been I've been hitting at the top of the lineup, so you know I, I can really get things going for the team. Uh, I think I've liked I've liked how I've been seeing a lot of pitches. I do, especially at the start of the game. You know, get getting that going, get, getting the guys in the dugout some eyes on the pitcher and what he's throwing for certain games, and that's on the offensive side. Defense, I've felt good uh, all year. Um, up to this point, and obviously we've added some dudes to the to the team, and um, pitching looks good, so so it's been fun. Yeah. Our guest is 21 years old, as I mentioned, a left-handed hitting outfielder, was the eighth pick in the 2020 draft, getting on base at a 366 clip. He's got one of the highest walk rates, not only in the Nats organization, but in all of minor league baseball. So he started the year, West Palm had some extra time trying to get healthy and rehab. Then you went to Fredericksburg, got to see you play there a bunch. Uh, you played, I think, 15 games, and it's been 24 games now at Double A. So you're kind of back where you would have been, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, if not for the injury and, and some of the things that you were trying to overcome. Maybe you'd be in Triple A right now. Mm-hmm. But are, are you 100 percent like feel all the way back? And do you now feel like this is no longer about getting back to where you were, but actually improving and adding and, and kind of picking back up where you were? Exactly. That, that's exactly right. I I feel 100 percent, and that was the main thing. Even uh, even in Fredericksburg just getting back into the flow of the game and like it's hard to emulate playing nine innings especially six days a week or whatever which I I want to do and taking some time off uh, with the injury for the first time really in my whole life uh, really showed me that I mean the game's hard playing the game every day is hard so um, I get, get, got back in the flow of it and and you know I'm here now and like you said just picking back up and, and proving on everything I need to to get to the big leagues, that's that's my main focus. What have they told you? In, in other words, they give you marching orders going, hey, we want you, you mentioned hitting the top of the order, taking a bunch of pitches, right, mm-hmm. seeing the ball a little mm-hmm. bit better, or, 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 you know, maybe pitches per bat. You got a mandate like that from the organization, hey, we want you to work on this, or is it just go play, kid, and, and we'll, we'll check in? No, not necessarily, but I, I've kind of taken that upon myself, like, look, if, I, if, I, if that's where I'm going to be in yeah. the order, and I've always kind of hit it kind of been at the top uh, of the order but so I'm, I'm kind of used to taking the pitches and being a leadoff guy and doing doing my job but th- that's all I'm really trying to do just just do my job and and that not necessarily anything from the org on that but definitely looking to to hit the ball hard harder I feel like I'm doing that this year when the ball's in play I feel like I'm hitting the ball harder just just more consistently that, that's what I'm working on you were drafted in the top 10 you were killing the ball in the Padres system playing a futures game like on the fast track 
and then you go through something that none of us can relate to. Mm-hmm. Your your name's on every TV show, mm-hmm. and you're traded for Juan Soto, who is a beloved all-time athlete in D.C. sports. Mm-hmm. What was that like? I mean, your, your life in some ways kind of gets turned upside down, and now you've been picturing yourself in one ballpark and one jersey forever. It's cross-country, and it's a whole different ballgame. What's this been like? Yeah, it's it's different. It's taught it's taught me a couple things. Like, it's, one, it's how much relationships help w- with your with your buddies, with your friends, coaches, and stuff. Because coming over to a new place where I know nobody, you know, I knew Darren Baker from the Futures game, um, and then you know, and that's the same with everybody that gets traded. They go into a new clubhouse. It's just really m- taking the time to meet everybody and you know put a face to a name, and and uh, that makes it a lot easier. And then also. Just, just knowing like, it's it, the main thing that it's taught me is it's the same game, it really is. I mean, it, so seeing all the stuff on the social media and stuff, you can get overwhelmed. And what do I, you mean by that? Just like the yeah, ranking? Well, or? no, no, no. Just like with the trade, like everybody's hyped up. Hey, can't wait for you. This, this, this. It's easy to be like, okay, let's go. Like, let's and then press on yourself a little bit too much. And then when I came over to Wilmington at first, that's what I was doing. I was pressing, like, look, man, let's let's let it. Like, I got to show him I'm worth so six run home run. You know, I got to go, show. Yeah. I got to show him. You yeah. know, and and just doing a bit too much, and you know, settling down and knowing who I am and playing my game. I feel like is going to give me the best chance. So, you know, continue doing that now. And that that was then. I'm here now, so uh, I know everybody. It, great clubhouse, great coaching staff. So it, it's it's been a fun ride so far. Robert Hassel with us here live in person. We're at Bowie Bay Sox Stadium. Grant Daniel, 106.7 The Fan. Um, just to expound on that, you should probably be in like a sociology class somewhere, getting ready for a regional at this point. <laughs> but here you are, you know, playing professional baseball, uh, uh, you know, a couple phone calls away from the show. But to, to add to that Juan Soto pressure, there's, there's an inextricable link there, mm-hmm. right? It's hard enough to make the big leagues. It's hard enough to continue your own baseball journey without any kind of comparison or anything else. How have you been able to separate that and kind of just focus on – you being the best Robert Hassel possible, which is still pretty damn good. Yeah, obviously, like it's the same. I just put my try to put myself in other players' shoes. Like, look, there's multiple other guys. James Wood being one of them that's yeah. on the team now. It's in the same shoes as me. Like, we we just gotta continue to be professionals about it. And at the end of the day, it's we're playing a game, man. And and performance does matter. And there's people that are counting on you and fans that come and want to see you do good. But then, like you said, I mean, you, you got to be you. And, and there, I'm, I'll let Juan Soto do his thing. I know he's a he, great player. Uh, Bell is in that trade too, great player. All these guys that came over here, I mean, we all got talent. So as long as we do our thing, man, we're going to help this. I, think, I really do believe we're going to help this org a lot. And it's already happening, right? Yeah. Mackenzie Gore punched out 11 and in seven innings this weekend. Abrams, Abrams did another bomb yesterday. He's on pace for 20 plus home runs. Yeah, we're seeing it. It's it's awesome. The man. team's competing for sure. Um, we saw James Wood just a few minutes ago down here. Mm-hmm. Really small, small guy <laughs> in person, shorter than yeah, you think. You know, you know just, what I mean? It's amazing guys that small can be man, good at baseball. It's crazy. It, it's crazy. There was a last week they had. A first baseman that was six eight, I think, and Wood got on first base, and I was like, "Man, I would hate to be the first base guy." Right <laughs> yeah, what game is this? Yeah. I'm backing off. You know, I'm standing off to the side, making me look way too six, small. Six six, change maybe six seven. James Wood, the smaller guy in that tandem. Yeah. So you've been playing center field almost every day right. here in Double A. Right. Obviously, that's a position you've played 
traditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wood could play center. Elijah Green's in the system now. Mm-hmm. In Fredericksburg, they were moving you around more, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Left, right, center. Yeah. What is the plan at this point? Or is it just, hey, get as many reps in center as you can? Because since James has come up, they've put him, it seems like, in a corner. Yeah. Looks like center, right? You know? And and for me, obviously, whichever one. I mean, I feel like I can, I can cover a bunch of ground wherever. And balls are hit everywhere, so... Um, but for me, it doesn't really matter. I, I do have a lot more games in center than anywhere else. But um, uh, hearing hearing the idea of playing right and uh, and or left, wh- whichever one works for the team, man, it's exciting to me. How about so. the possibility? I just mentioned two other guys. So Elijah goes top five. Yeah. And he's in Fredericksburg. Trying. You were just with him, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get the swing worked out. There's a lot on his plate right now. Probably going through some of the same things you were a year ago. Mm-hmm. But with James Wood, there's not a team in baseball that has three outfield prospects with the potential that you guys have. We dream on it as fans all the time. What's that like for you to think about down the road? Yeah. Yeah, being a being a baseball fan, um, yeah, it's obviously really exciting. And amongst the other guys that we got, too, it's like, wow, you, you really have so many guys. And that's just outfielders, and then you go to the infielders and catcher. It's like it's, it's pitchers. It's crazy, man. So. As a, as a whole, it, it's it's looking really good. Something I'm curious about. As you get older, guys get stronger, you know, time in the weight room, just time out there getting bigger, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What's the balance there, still being a predator drone out in center field going to run everything down versus hulking up a little bit and hitting some more tanks? Like, how, how do you balance that? Just, just making – for me, it's just like the reps and knowing myself. So, like – if my speed is still the amount of times I, I actually do sprints and stuff, and I've gained weight as last year, eight to ten pounds since last year. So have you really? Yeah. So and but not like we, we have too. And I want different. and I want and obviously want to keep building more and more. But I see myself running. I still feel good, and I'm like, okay, okay you know, you can still, I can definitely still got interesting more his, weight to gain. His wasn't drive-throughs no. and not working. <laughs> not out. like it's we a did. different kind different of weight. Than we did it. We're about to find out actually how much weight Danny gained. At dinner last night. Just a little game we play because we went out as a show, the four of us, uh-huh. uh, yesterday. I'm going to just tell you really quick what we ate. Um, not impressive or anything, just four of us. Uh, ribs, potatoes, short rib, chicken and waffles, mac and cheese, lobster mac and cheese, grits, oh, man. Uh, soda and tea, fried green tomatoes, eight biscuits, skillet of cornbread, deviled eggs, Llewellyn's fine fried chicken, deep fried Oreos, and banana pudding. Oh, my. So it was pretty good. That is a meal, right? Like that's there. a party platter for ten, <laughs> wow. twelve. That might have you guys. They should catered that for the ball club oh, today. Man. That might have fed the team. That would have, yeah. What's your? What's we your, eat a lot, but do you have a, like a, a go-to pre or post-game meal or anything like that you find yourself habitually doing here during the year? As long as I like pre-post-game, we have a lot of rice or, or something like. Definitely like a lot of carbs, and I eat a lot of protein throughout the day. Even like when I my snacks, I like to. I just like protein a lot, so. Um, those carbs for me, main thing. I a go to, if I could have a go to Chipotle, I guarantee you there's a hundred dudes on the field that could. Let's What's say your Chipotle go to order? Your number one. Really, really, really simple. Yeah. I might, you know, there there might be hate given for this one, but literally rice. Brown so or either, white? I'll do white rice. Okay. Uh, either half chicken, half steak, or I'll go double chicken, and then like queso and pico, and that's it. I can I can respect, and then this. I'll shake it in the yeah, box a good. lot, and obviously, and so then, you don't want the tortilla. Let it hug you, no, the tortilla. No, 
just in a bowl, and that's it. And I'll scarf it down real quick, and I might get two of them. And two of them, two. That's I right. might. It God, to have a metabolism. Depend. It depend. <laughs> obviously, it depends on the situation. But yeah. If you do two, would you do double meat in both, or would it be half? Probably not. Okay. Probably probably go lighter on the second one for sure. Do you pay for guacamole? I don't. I'm not a huge guac guy. Like, I I love it when I have it. I I don't think I would order it. And I really don't order it a bunch, but I love queso, man. I'll get a queso all day. That a boy. Yeah. Uh, Robert Hassel, who's on his way to the big leagues. Hopefully we'll see him by the end of the summer getting a chance to make his debut with the Nationals. Thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate Thanks. it. It's great to meet you, Thank dude. you, guys. Thanks to Robert Hassel for joining us, and thanks to you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. We're giving you at least two pods every single week. The podcast will be available for you when you wake up on Tuesday and on Friday. We generally post on Monday and on Thursday nights. Toby, it was fun. We'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Got to get down and check out the Fred Nats soon. Big thanks to producer Darius Dameron. I'm Grant saying so long. Enjoy Nats baseball.